What is up, everybody? Welcome on into the first round fantasy podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Bartley, joined yet again by Justin Morsaz. What is up, Justin? Yeah, 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 man. Good week three under the belt. A lot of good news, a lot of good sightings, but some bad stuff too that we'll get to. Absolutely, man. I I love fantasy football for multiple reasons, but one main reason is that like I feel like I learn something new every week. Like Every week, my opinion about the way I play fantasy football is altered, at least in some way. So it's it's like an ever-changing thing. Nothing ever stays cons- – like, nothing's ever set in stone, you know, in fantasy football. And I, I kind of like that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I feel like I make new hard-set rules every week, and then some contradict each other. And yeah, after week three, I'm, I'm making a new hard rule of – no more waiting on tight ends. I'm just like sick to my stomach when I have to stream tight ends. Ah, dude, I trust me. And uh, in our re- main redraft league, remember I took Kelsey in the first round. I'm not mad at that decision at all because yeah. if you look at the rest of my team surrounding him, it worked out because I hit on players like Cup. I hit on players like Swift. So taking Kelsey, I, n- I don't have to worry about tight end. And I love that. Dude, even even if you didn't hit on Cup, which is amazing that you hit on it, it's like Kelsey, we talked about drafting yeah. him, creates a wide receiver one facade. So literally right yeah. now, Debo Samuels is wide receiver four with 63 and a half, and Kelsey mm-hmm. would be wide receiver four right now. So it's like – Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I don't even want to get into Cooper Cup. This guy is like head and shoulders wide receiver one right now. Like this is stellar. I love it's it. It's insane. And I remember we did our redraft in person. I was sitting on the couch and I was and I was sitting right next to you. And I and you were like, "What's wrong?" And I was like, "I'm not happy with my team." And you're like, "You have to think of Kelsey as your wide receiver one, and think of one of those other wide receivers you drafted as your tight end." And when you think of it that way, it's like, okay, now my lineup's not looking too bad. So so I like that. Uh, we're gonna get into some stuff today. We're going to talk about um, some player trends that may have surprised us that we want to see going forward continue. But real quick, um, since we're coming off of week three, Justin, going into week four, we're going to talk about some of our biggest takeaways uh, from week three really quick. And I see you got a couple here in the notes. So why don't you share those with us? Yeah, my biggest takeaway was Josh Allen finally popped off, went nuclear on everybody, and had a beastly game that brought him up to QB. Thank one, I goodness believe. I traded yeah. for him in a league. I'm so happy. Yeah, you know, the first two weeks you're like, okay, it isn't amazing, but we can get some some progress going forward. And we all knew it would happen. And uh, it was just a great game to see him ball out. So that was awesome. And I still think that he has potential to finish QB1, even though how well Kyler Murray is playing. Uh Diggs hasn't really popped off, so once you combine those two, uh, it should be good. I really do think that uh, the first couple of games, you know, they lost to Pittsburgh to start it off. He didn't have a good game. He had a quiet game against Miami, and now Washington, a fairly good defense. He just went absurd, so hopefully he keeps that going against Houston, which we all know what's going on with them, and uh, KC coming up, so he should have two weeks where he just airs it out, so good for him. I wish yeah. I had him. There were some people talking about a slump of a year, you know, it's because he had such an amazing year last year and they're like, oh, here it comes, Josh Allen, he's he's going to fall off. And I had just traded for him after week two and I was like, there's no way. I was like, this guy, I, I need this guy. I, I was never really worried about it. Like I had a feeling he was going to figure it out. And 
against Washington, which, like you said, really solid defense coming into the year. Not as good as we thought they were going to be, but but really solid. The goal, um, the goal with him is if you get a rushing touchdown out, out, off of him, you go absurd because if you watch the Bills, when they're in the short red zone game, he somehow finds his way in there. And it's just a unique offense. I like watching it. But when he gets his three to four throwing and then adds on a rushing, of course, it's amazing. But that's his capability. So he throws for big yards. So I was like pay, paying close attention to him because I, I needed to win in that league. And I was like, he had like 43 points or something. I was like, hell yeah, I'm killing it. And then he rushed in another touchdown when they were already up. And I was like, yes, keep doing that all year. I love it. Um, you you have some thoughts on the Bears as well, Justin. Why don't you uh, yeah, I know about that? I didn't get to watch the whole game. I saw some highlights lack thereof, and I followed up on like the overall outcome. And I don't think in my lifetime I've ever seen such a worse offensive display that that team went through. I don't even know what was the crazy stat. Like with total yards minus the penalties, they netted like three offensive yards overall or something. Don't quote me, but. It was disgustingly low. So the question is, okay, no, the QBs you're not touching, the tight ends you're not touching, no wide receiver aside from A-Rob will you even consider. And David Montgomery might be in jeopardy because that team is so slouched over. So my question is to you, is anybody A-Rob Montgomery worth starting at this point or do you have to flex them out for someone who might be doing a little bit better overall? It just really depends. Like, I think every team who owned who has a Rob is in a unique situation. I have him in one league and I, I don't know what happened with this team, but my wide receivers are Allen Robinson, Julio Jones, Brandon, Ayuk. right? Those are my top three wide receivers. And I'm that's, that hasn't been great so far. Right. So I'm, I might be out Julio. I have to start Ayuk and I have to start Robinson, but there are teams like imagine the team who took Robinson, right. As a wide receiver one. And they have, Cooper Cup and they drafted Jamar Chase, right? And and you only starting two wide receivers. You're definitely starting Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase over him, right? So it just depends on the situation. But the fact that we even have to have that conversation, you would never if I told you in the preseason, we're gonna go in, I'm starting Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase over Allen Robinson, you'd be like, What are you talking about? But that's a reality now. So that's crazy. And it's no slight on A Rob. It's no, just, not at all. I've never seen a wide receiver get stuck with such trash quarterback play day after day, year after year, like give him Mahomes or something. Give him someone that <laughs> give him good looks. And well, look, I, he's on the franchise tag. Uh, look, Ju Justin Fields could get it to get together. Obviously we shouldn't give up on him yet, but if he gets it together, maybe things are different, but he's not Allen Robinson's on the franchise tag. If they don't franchise tag him again, uh, he can sign with another team. So maybe he's playing with a better quarterback next year. Maybe him and, Aaron Rodgers go team up somewhere. Who knows? Ooh, that'd be nice. And it's no slight on Fields. He's a rookie. I know the game. Oh yeah. Him, There's but, people that are like, "Oh, yeah. he's a bust." Like what? No. Uh, that was, <laughs> they gave two a like like two a year and a half to to be a bust. <laughs> give give Fields some more time. Yeah. Um. But, uh, so yeah. Did, any more thoughts you? on that? No, oh no, yeah. No. I had a couple uh things. So one thing is that first two weeks, right? On a different teams, I have Hawkinson, I have Lamb, I have Chubb, players like that, right? Guys, we expect to be really good in fantasy, and they perform. But then they all kind of disappoint in week three. And even losing you matchups, like I, I needed, I just needed like 11 points from CeeDee Lamb to win this week, and I didn't get it. So, And that hurt so bad because he starts off the game so well, 
and then he, he couldn't get me 11 points. So I just want people to keep in mind, be prepared for your big hitters to disappoint sometimes. They're not always going to go off. So when you're looking at your lineup and you're preparing for your matchup, you have to think, okay, yes, I have these solid guys. I'm still starting these guys no matter what. But what can I do in my lineup to offset if they don't perform? Like, am I going to play a guy who has a safe floor in my flex or maybe a guy who has a super high ceiling this week in my flex? So I think that you just got to prepare and at the very least, at least be mentally prepared that you're going to come off some weeks where Chubb doesn't do much for you, where Hawkinson has a one point game. So I just think that's something for fantasy managers to keep in mind. Uh, did you experience any of that this week? Any guys you that really disappointed you that are super, super consistent normally? Yeah, I had a. I thought the Dallas game was interesting because you brought up CD and I have the other side of Amari Cooper. Yeah. And it's not like Dallas didn't do well. It was just a very odd way they scored their points this game. Zeke had a very nice game. So I think uh, that's just part of fantasy football. You can't hit every week and you just want that mm -hmm. steady average. But uh, Hill didn't have a good week again. But we know he's like a different different world where he just pops and then he just goes quiet for a week or two but uh yeah play the odds that's a good point Tyree Kale too yeah it's it's and hard to stay consistent but if you have a guy like Hawkinson and you think that you should pivot you're playing this game wrong I'll tell you that exactly and that's a great point that I wanted to tie into this is never trade these guys coming off these games don't ever do it because you're you're selling low if you do that, if I trade CD Lamb today, I'm selling him based off this last game, not the first two weeks, you know, so never sell these guys. I mean, I'm not I won't say never because there could be trade scenarios that you're like, OK, I'll do that. But in general, don't go looking to trade these guys after a bad game. Like if anything, trade them after a big game. Uh, another thing I realize, and this is more for super flex leagues, but I do think and and I'm going to be, you know, talking about this a lot in the next like couple years but i just think that super i think fantasy football is headed towards superflex. i think just how ppr became the norm i think superflex is going to become the norm and uh so i think talking about superflex here and there is okay even though most people don't play in it right now but uh i will say it's really hard to get by in a superflex when your second quarterback is not reliable because it can lose you a matchup a lot of times I don't know about you, Justin, but I've been I lose a lot of my matchups by 10 to 15 points or even less sometimes, 10 points or less. And when I have Jimmy Garoppolo in my second quarterback spot, which is and he gets me 15 points, and then I lose by seven, I'm like, oh my goodness, there there's other guys I could have started, or I or I lose by three. I could have started Jacoby Brissett instead, picked him off the waiver wire. And it's just tough. So I think. Look, there's a lot of te super flex teams where maybe your bench, you have a couple, uh, you know, good running backs or wide receivers on your bench. Or maybe you can sacrifice one of your flexes to upgrade at quarterback. I, I'm starting to change my – I used to think, oh, if I have one stud, it doesn't matter who my second quarterback is. I'm starting to go against that because it experiencing it with starting Jimmy Garoppolo and then in another super flex league, like having Sam Darnold be my second quarterback and be very impressive this year, I'm realizing – that second quarterback spot matters because you have people in your league who literally have Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray. 
as their two quarterbacks. So you can't keep up with those teams if you have these bottom of the barrel quarterback twos. You know, do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, this is the first year I've ever had experience with Superflex. And yeah, and it's interesting because when Winston got the starter role, I was like, I'm pretty happy about that. And week one, he went bonkers. And then the last two weeks, it's just underwhelming. And I legit lose partially because of that. So uh, it's hard because we know with quarterbacks, after you break like the midway point, there's a huge fall off of skill and fantasy related skill to that. So yeah, I, I don't know if Superflex is going to take over as a standard because uh, in essence, it would be like making you start three running backs. There's just not enough. And I think if you go super flex, it takes away the fun of like, I don't like to have to start bad people. So if I consistently have to start bad people and get scores that relate to that, it will make me lose interest. So I got to have some fantasy skill and fun at the same time, you know, so that's why I'm hesitant on it becoming the norm. But I think it's a fun twist. Yeah, I just think and this is a longer conversation, but I think the more because if we only if we stick with one quarterbacks right we're only ever going to start 10 or 12 quarterbacks in the league and it limits the the ability because like i want as much players to be relevant as possible so if we we're literally adding like another dozen of fantasy relevant players into the mix when we play super flex and it makes it more fun i want guys like you know uh you know ryan fitzpatrick and guys like like that to be able to be startable. And I just think it makes it more fun because now we're looking at uh, 10 to 12 other quarterbacks that are fantasy relevant. So I just think that makes the game more fun. But another thing that you and I were talking about at, at the top uh, before we start was running backs. And look, the running back, running backs are tricky. They're tricky every year. Uh, we, le- we learn new stuff every year about how to go about them. But I was telling you, Justin, and I wanted to say this for the podcast, that you've always been the guy who said, that you typically have drafted wide receivers high. Like you get your running backs at the top. You make sure you get your two or three running backs that you need. And then you kind of build your team where you, well, while everybody else is drafting running backs in the middle of the rounds, you're taking wide receivers and you're getting these guys who are wide receiver ones on their team and potential third or, you know, uh, wide high and wide receiver twos, whatever in fantasy. And I just think like, yes, running back is more valuable because there's a, there's less of them that are fantasy usable, right? Because every team, not even every NFL team has a usable fantasy running back. And then if you take like, there's probably what, maybe 25 that you feel decent about starting. And then there's like 40 wide receivers that you feel decent about starting. So my point is, I think, yeah, you can draft that third or fourth running back and start them, but are they really more, relevant than a wide receiver two that can get you more points so i'm starting to change my tune on that a little bit i used to i used to go oh i'm gonna go four running backs to start the draft and i did that last year in our redraft league and it didn't really work out for me i struggled all like i barely made the playoffs i I struggled a lot and i've seen your teams before have you know four wide receivers two in, in the wide receiver spot two flex and then and you usually do really well so i just think that's something that I'm kind of learning too, is that, you know, the running back position is scarce, but you're only maybe starting 20 to 25 guys that you feel really good about. So if you throw two in your running back spot and then start 
two wide receivers, especially in PPR, I think that sets you up better to win as opposed to four running backs, unless you have crazy value, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, it, it's been my strategy. And ironically, this year, I started running backs in my flex. Like I put Chase, I'm sorry, I put Chase Edmonds and, uh, and Miles Sanders over some mid-tier wide receivers. Sometimes it's worked out. I just find like from a t- statistical point of view, the variable difference between a mid-tier running back and a mid-tier wide receiver, it's safer to go with the wide receiver and their upside thereof. Because what's easier? They're both very hard. What's easier? A 50-yard breakout for a wide receiver or a running back? I would say it errs more on the wide receiver. So if I can get that 50-yard touchdown out of a flex wide receiver more weeks than I do a running back, then I'm statistically going to have a higher capability of scoring more points. So this week, I'm pivoting. I'm benching Miles Sanders. I'm starting Jamar Chase. I might bench uh, – actually, I'm going to keep Edmonds in because I'm weak on the bench on that league. But uh, to put in perspective, it also hinders your your bench, your roster, because this year I, I wasn't as prepared as I like to be, so I wanted to take some shots. Some of those shots missed, and now I'm sitting on those running backs that you can't drop, but you don't want to play. So it tied my roster up. So with wide receivers, it's somehow like a you feel better dropping them than you do any running back because an injury with running backs goes from you can't play them to a must-start, number one waiver wire, trade bait, and it's just such a hard That's dynamic. a good point because – Every time I'm thinking about a player to drop, I'm always dropping a wide receiver before I drop a running back because there's more on the waiver wire, though. Yeah. Like, there's always, like, 10 guys on the waiver wire you can pick up and start if you had to for wide receiver, and there's literally, like, there's zero guys on running back that you can pick up and start (laughs) on the waiver wire. I know. It's crazy to me. Like, I see everyone's like, go get Chubba, go get Chubba. I'm like, why wasn't he rostered already? What kind of – No, he should have, like, who – who didn't already roster him because even if the CMC manager didn't roster him, somebody else should have, yeah, you know, exactly. That's, that's why I'm like, I look at mine and I'm just thinking, wow, there's, I'm getting third stringers right now. There's nothing to get, mm-hmm. but yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So speaking of running backs, Renaissance man, hello, Renaissance man. Thank you for tuning in again. Appreciate you. They got a starter, uh, this or that question for us. Uh, Michael Carter or Trey Sermon in week four? So I, I looked it up. Uh, Michael Carter of the Jets, they're playing. he's playing Tennessee. Uh, the 49ers are playing Seattle. So I would say this is tough because we, we know the Kyle Shanahan trickery and all this stuff. But if Elijah Mitchell is out again this week, I think your decision is easy. It's Trey Sermon. But if if – I'm not saying Trey Sermon had a great game, but neither did Michael Carter. And I don't really trust the Jets offense at all. But honestly, I think unless they say Eli Mitchell is healthy and he's the starting running back, unless that happens, I'm going Sermon. Yeah, it's hard because Sermon basically had the backfield to himself and it ended he didn't up do being much. Kyle Juszczyk who got a lot of usage. Like that I, just tells I me. I could like, not believe it. That just tells me, like, you really must not trust this guy to carry, even with three injured running backs. So not that I like Michael Carter more, but if Mitchell's back in any capacity, I would just lean on Carter. But I 
I don't like either of them, but it is raining deep in 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 uh, Jets land, so I might just want to start the running game over there over a uh, roulette wheel in Shanahan's offense. So it's a hard <laughs> choice, but Mitchell healthy, Eileen Carter. Okay, let's say Mitchell's out. Would you go Sermon? I'll go Sermon for the touchdown upside. Just the random. Yeah. Uh, that's all I would be betting on this game. All right, so there you go, Renaissance man. Just keep an eye out. Make sure you have those notifications on. Check, wake up early Sunday morning, double check. Make sure um, if they say uh, Sermon's the guy this week and Eli's out, go ahead with him, but maybe pivot to Michael Carter if he is, if uh, Mitchell is playing. Uh, all right, well, let's get into these unexpected trends we, we want to see continue going forward. And I'm just going to. Uh, list these off, Justin, really quick. And I want you to talk about a couple that really stand out to you and that you, whether you think they're going to continue or not and whether you want them to continue or not. So a lot of big things. Cooper Cup is the wide receiver one so far this year. Mike Williams is the wide receiver two so far this year. Brandon Cooks is a top five wide receiver, which is insane. Jamar Chase, I think he's in the top 10, but he's hovering around there. Uh, but we none of us thought that he would be there at this point. Tyler Lockett is a monster. He is a top five wide receiver right now. Of course, we got Debo Samuel hovering around, hovering around that top five range, depending on your league scoring. Uh, DeAndre Swift is a top five running back so far this season. Uh, Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott are top 20 running backs so far. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb are also up there together. Uh, actually, Nick uh, Kareem Hunt is outscoring Nick Chubb right now. Um, Gronk, it has been a top five uh, tight end so far. He is a little bit banged up. Uh, and also, Derek Carr has been really solid, a top five quarterback. Um, maybe for Derek Carr, can he stay in the top ten? That's a big question. Uh, so these are some trends that I noticed that are going on so far in the first three weeks of fantasy football. And I know I don't roster all these guys. You probably don't either. But it's just really good to see. Uh, some of these guys that we were undervaluing really performing. So what are some of the ones that stand out to you, Justin? Uh, Mike Williams, for me, uh, I think with all the wide receivers you named, aside from maybe Chase, they're living off the touchdowns. And when we hit week three, three territory, like the first quarter of the season, it's enough games to see who's good, who's not. But the touchdowns inflate heavily what mm -hmm. a 17-week season can bring to you. So – Although although Cooper Cup is finding five touchdowns a game, I don't anticipate his top wide receiver capability to, to end. So him staying in the top, yes. Mike Williams, he's saw the same amount of touchdown love that Cup has. Is that as sustainable? I'm not sure in that offense, but he does seem to be a, a very start-worthy player, and I don't think that's going to end. Um, Brandon Cooks is the only weapon, so... As much as I don't see him staying in, I can see it just straight off of usage. Yeah. But when you get digs and Tyreek Hill, like, for example, if Tyreek Hill pops up for a 40 bomb next week, then he shoots all the way up to a top five and someone falls out. So this early on, touchdowns are keen. And then when you get mid to late season, the targets are the goal because that's, that's a good point. So right now, I'm not looking at – that's why I love Cup. Cup is seeing massive targets along with the touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Whereas someone like uh I'm I need to go look at well, like uh, Jamar targets. Chase. Very Jamar Chase has like five targets a game and he gets like two or three catches and he gets a touchdown or two. 
so that, that's the opposite of cup that's yeah. why i want i want to stay away from chase and hating on him because he's a rookie so maybe that's his actual game where he's just the that's true beast, which, you, which, yeah you don't know what his history is right in yeah. the nfl he doesn't have but one <laughs> but again he has four touchdowns so let me go on the flip side justin jefferson has two touchdowns and he's getting nine ten and eleven targets Devonte adams is one touchdown this year he's getting seven nine and then a beastly 18 last week wow so I'm, I'm saying all these guys are amazing but maybe it's time to buy dk metcalf he's he's had lesser games so when you're playing with some of these people they're like Oh, DK's out of the top 15 right now. I guess I'll sell him for someone like a DJ Moore. I'll do that trade all day, even if I have to throw something on top. I love DK like that. But you gotta you gotta look right now in the season, targets versus touchdowns, and see which trend is sustainable. And hey, if Thielen and Lockett get 17 touchdowns at the end of the year, then fantastic. <laughs> but you gotta play the odds, in my opinion. So I love all the receivers you named. But I want to find the trend of targets versus the trend of mm -hmm. touchdowns and divert accordingly. Yeah, that that's well said, and I and I like that because you bring up the possibility of should you trade one of these guys for a guy who you think is going to be better all season? And it's really hard. Like you're probably never going to work out a trade like just straight up Jamar Chase for DK Metcalf. But what you can do is package a deal, maybe include a running back or something. Maybe that team who has DK needs a running back. You send Chase and a running back for DK and something else, and you probably feel a lot better about DK for the whole entire season. So I think that's something to keep in mind and take Here, advantage of early in the season. Here's an interesting trade. If you had Brandon Cooks and you needed help at what at running back, would you trade Cooks and a so-so running back, like, say, Tyson, who's mm -hmm. been decent, for Amari Cooper and maybe a better running back. You know what I mean? Because in my mind, Cooks is playing at a higher level and Amari's mm -hmm. coming down on two bad weeks. But I think Dallas is overall more sustainable than Brandon Cooks in Houston. Yeah, that's interesting. It really depends on the manager you're trading with, right? Because, you know, it depends how they view things. Because if they look in it the same way you are, then they're probably not going to do that deal. But if, you know, if they're like, oh, Brandon Cooks, if they just look at the stats and the fantasy points and they're like, Brandon Cooks has been better than Mari Cooper and they just process it that way, then you could probably get away with something like that. Um, yeah. So what about Deandre Swift? Do you think he's going to sustain what he's been doing or, yeah. or do you think he's going to fall off a little bit? I got to bite. I got to bite the bullet on this one. I was wrong on him to be honest and not so much wrong on him, just wrong on that offense. Yeah, exactly. But but he's, he's being loved by his coaching staff. And I said he's going to do some work. Jamal Williams is going to sneak in and get some uh, some catching work. And that is still a little bit true, yeah. but he's still the focal point. He gets more receptions, runs more routes, and that team doesn't have wide receivers. So both of them can get love, but Swift moved himself into fantasy eliteness, I think. If he can give me two to three more weeks of this type of behavior, then I, I will say I'm wrong. But so far, he's been excellent. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I agree. I'm loving it. I, I hit on him in, in a couple leagues. Uh, I'll, I'll touch on this one really quick. Tony Pollard and Zeke. I don't know what to do with this because, you know, last, you know, week two, Tony Pollard outperformed Zeke, but Zeke still had a good game. But Zeke had a really good game this week. But I just think, look, if you take away Zeke's two touchdowns, is that is his game? Look, he, 
he had what about a hundred yards or so or so mm-hmm. it did he have such a great game touchdowns are fluky so i still think they're closer than we think um and i don't think look obviously zeke over pollard all day like is obviously especially in redraft but i think tony pollard could stick around like top 30 running back which is could be usable in, in flex for sure um Another one real quick. Let me ask you about Derek Carr, Justin, uh, before we move on. Do you think Derek Carr can maintain this, like, really startable in 10-team leagues? Uh, yeah, I've always been a Carr fan. Like, I love what he did ever since he balled out. Uh, what was it, maybe four years ago now? It's been a while. Oh, when he had, like, his best season that year? Yeah, he yeah. was just insane. Yeah, and, he was really uh, good. I feel like this year their wide receivers took a little up-level Waller's Waller, and he just seems to be playing with more confidence. Uh, it's hard because there's some QBs that fell off. Like Aaron Rodgers is pretty far down the list. Burrow is not throwing well. Tannehill is not throwing well. So if they stay not throwing well, that leaves room for a car to be top 10. And I think with the way that offensive uh, scheme works, they don't run too much. He's a throwing quarterback. I think he, it's definitely sustainable. I wanted a piece of him. Uh, it was funny. I was looking on the waiver wire because I told myself week two, it's time to move on from Tannehill. Like I saw what that offense does. Henry's a freaking beast and that limits your QB upside. I was like, I want Cousins or I want Carr. We play with a lot of Raider fans. Carr wasn't available, so I went Cousins. I'm not <laughs> mad about that. But uh, Carr is definitely, uh, if you have him as your second QB, I would look to trade him to someone who's hurting because he is a good player and I, or I get value trade who trade your first QB and keep Carr. Well, I mean, are you going to trade if you have Carr as your second QB? You probably have Murray, Mahomes. But the, my point is, I think you can move. I, I know see. you don't want to move one of those guys, but what if you can move one of them for like with a lesser running back for Gibson or something like that, you know, like for, you know, if you could do something like that, cause you're not going to get Gibson for Carr, but if you can move Josh Allen for Gibson and then have Derek Carr as your starting quarterback, I think that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. I mean, the only two QBs I'd probably not want to do that is with Kyler and Mahomes, maybe Josh Allen, but everybody yeah. else I would trade up and keep the car as my QB. One yeah. I know what you mean. Especially in, in most of our leagues, we play like six point passing touchdowns. And when you have that, the advantage of these crazy quarterbacks that put up 40 or 50 points is insane. Like it literally wins you matchups and championships as, as we've yeah, seen over the it's years. It's almost too crazy. Yeah, definitely. Um, one more uh, comment from Renaissance Man or question, I should say, before we get on to some injury news. Uh, my RB one is Gibson, but my RB two tough is uh, off spot is tougher to fill week to week. I have Carter, Eli Mitchell, Trey Sermon, and Cordell Patterson. He's listed as RB wide receiver. What do you think for week four? So I, th- I, I think before Renaissance Man in on our previous podcast, you said that this is a deep league. It must be a deep league because uh, if if you have like Gibson is great as your RB one. I, I still believe in Gibson, so you don't have to worry there, but. Filling that second spot is definitely tough. And I look, this base, you had it right. It's either Michael Carter or Trey Sermon, or I guess Eli Mitchell if he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that I, I would I don't envy you, man. That's that's a tough decision. Again, I would stick with Trey Sermon if if he's if Eli Mitchell's not healthy. Would you go any other direction with that one, Justin? Yeah, I guess I like uh elijah mitchell more if he's healthy and then like i said that's an option too yeah 
I just think out of I'm with these running backs, I'm playing touchdown roulette basically. I don't like the Jets offense and I don't like what I've seen Trey Sermon do in that offense. So I kind of want to stay away from him the most. So I'm leaning towards Michael Carter if ah, it's so hard. If Elijah Mitchell plays and he's gonna get the run, like you need to listen to what comes out of the 49ers beat writers because they'll mm-hmm. give you some info. And if they say, you know, uh, looks like Elijah's ready to suit up, going to get most of the snaps. I'm going to go Elijah, even though it might throw me off. But I want to play the volume in San Francisco rather than Michael Carter. But And we Carter, might not know that until Sunday morning. So make sure you're checking all the notifications and stuff Sunday morning. To make it oh. easy, Mitchell, Carter, Sermon. There you go. Justin knows what he's talking about. All right, really quick, I'm going to run down uh, some recent injury news, Justin, and you just, uh, at, when I'm done, tell me what stands out to you the most. So James White out indefinitely with a hip injury, A.J. Brown week to week with a hamstring. Also, Julio Jones is questionable with his leg injury. Juju Smith-Schuster is day-to-day with a rib injury. Sterling Shepard is injured, not practicing. Gio Bernard, day-to-day with MCL, not practicing. Gronk is not practicing, even though his tests came back negative. Uh, Daryl Henderson looks to make a return this week. Rashad Bateman could be returning activated uh, off of IR and Curtis Samuel is practicing could come off IR as well. Any of that news stand out to you? Anything that is actionable in your opinion? Uh, Yeah. Keep in mind, Tennessee, if both AJ and Julio miss and you having some problems finding a fill in for flex, I don't know who would be the one to step up. I guess Josh Reynolds. I believe he's the dude from uh, the Rams last year. He he showed some flashes, so he might have to step in there. But uh, you really need to monitor that because AJ and Julio are always injured, but always play sometimes. So you just got to be ready for that. And then thank God Daryl Henderson is coming back hmm. because not only is he a better running back than Sony Michelle, but I'm sure a lot of people, including myself are missing him and he's shown to be a valuable running back that can be an RB too. So I'm happy to see that he's back after a short miss. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And just so everybody knows the, the wide receiver that's projected with, for the highest points on Yahoo uh, out of Tennessee is Chester Rogers. So I guess if they're both out, I think you can do worse than, the best healthy guy there um, if you need a desperation play for sure. Um, to me, the thing of this injury news that stands out the most is is Rashad Bateman coming back off of IR. And I've been talking about this guy ever since the preseason. And I think, look, we've seen Hollywood Brown have a decent start to the season. And you you said it yourself last week, Justin, Lamar Jackson up-leveled. He's, he's playing better. Um, so – if Rashad Bateman's coming off and this is a first round pick, I think he's stashable. Now I've, I've heard other people say, Oh, like it's not really worth it. Like he's a rookie. He's, he hasn't played with Lamar, but let me remind you in 2014, who was a rookie that was injured to start the season and came in in week five and had one of the best fantasy rookie seasons of all time. Odell Beckham jr. I'm not saying Rashad Bateman is Odell Beckham jr. But I'm saying just because a, a rookie has an injury doesn't and doesn't you know get the practice, doesn't get the reps with, with the starters and all that stuff to start a season doesn't mean they can't produce. Odell went on to have an insane season that year. One, um, I think he won Offensive Rookie of the Year that year. And again, not saying Rashad Bateman is going to do that, but keep an eye out. Add him to your bench. I, it's it's like a 
it's a low risk, high reward type of thing. You know, it you might have some guy on your who's riding on your bench, Adershaw Bateman, he could ball out for you. And I will just say, uh, I'll throw him into my waiver wire ads as well, because we're gonna talk about that, talk about that in a second. Um, also some non-injury news. Uh Josh Gordon reinstated, signs with the Chiefs practice squad, should be elevated when ready. Andy Reid did say um it's gonna take a while. And but he also said probably not this week. So if he's saying probably not this week, then it's possible in the next couple of weeks that he could be elevated. Um, another thing, the Colts are considering trading Marlon Mack is one of the reasons why he was a healthy scratch last week. Um, and uh, Richard Sherman signs with the Bucks. Not not much fantasy relevance there, but f the Bucks. They keep signing everybody. Um, Justin, out of this, uh, these three stories, non injury news. Does anything stand out to you? Uh, yeah, Marlon Mack. Uh, happy for him that they can come to a mutual agreement because we all saw the writing on the wall that JT is the guy. It doesn't matter if mm-hmm. Mack is. And good. they have Naheem Hines, who they signed to an extension. Yeah, they're they're filled up, and we knew going into the to the season what's going to happen because they're just like deep at running back, and Mack had an injury, or else he was the starter. But now it's JT. So if Mack can land himself uh, in a spot that's you know, I can't expect him to be a workhorse anywhere, but somewhere where he can get some burn and share and become relevant because we need all the help we can get at running back. So I was trying to think of places he can go. Nothing really catches my eye. I need to sit down deeper and go through each team. But do you have any idea what might be a good fit for him? Yeah, I, I you know, the thing is with running backs is every team has a couple, but what team could really use him? Like, do, would the Ravens trade for him? Probably not. I mean, they got they got a bunch of guys there already, so I think they would do something like elevate Le'Veon Bell maybe before they do that. But he's young still, so he I, I'm sure there's a team that could use him. I just hope it doesn't make a already questionable s- situation worse. Like I hope I don't think this would happen, but I don't. I hope the Patriots don't trade for him. I hope the 49ers don't trade for him, even though that's the, that's the type of move those coaches would make. I just I hope a situation like that doesn't happen. What do you think about the Falcons? That would be great because look, Cordell Pat Cordell Patterson has been their best running back so far, and we haven't seen Mike Davis do much. Like he had a decent game last week, but he hasn't emerged like we thought he could. And I think that would be a great move because look, Marlon Mack's still young. He's still only twenty four. He ha- he's on a one year deal. He can go play for a team like that, maybe get signed to an extension or go sign with someone else next year. So keep an eye on Marlon Mack. I think he should be rostered because who knows what type of situation he's going to step into. And who look, there's running back injuries almost every week. So uh, maybe I hope this doesn't happen for Chuba Hubbard owners, but if CMC's out longer and we know they're trying out guys, signing them uh, to their practice squad and stuff, maybe the, the um, Panthers look at him if CMC's out longer. That I mean, that would plummet Chuba uh, Hubbard's value, but I could see something like that. I would, um, uh, right. I would oh, go say ahead. real quick, my favorite landing spot for him would be the Jets because none of them are the answer right now, and yeah. he can come in and be the workhorse. I agree with that. And also, even if they did that, I don't think that means Michael Carter's disappears because I, if they did that, look, Marlon Mack hasn't been, uh, his specialty is not pass catching. So if they did that, I think Michael Carter would be the third down pass catching back. 
and Marlon Mack would be the main running back. So exactly. that wouldn't be bad. And just get rid of all the other guys. <laughs> get rid of everybody. Uh, Ty Johnson, Michael P. Ryan, Tevin Coleman. Just, you know, cut them. Uh, all right. So let's move on to real quick some of our favorite waiver wires of the week. Most waivers have processed. Um, there are some leagues where they process like at 7 p.m. tonight, but most of them have processed. And I'll just say real quick, some of my favorite waiver wire ads that might still be available in your league. Um, Tim Patrick, look, I don't know what everybody's doing. Look, I just looked it up, but I forgot the number. He is like 28% or something like that. Um, I just added him in a league like earlier today. And he is, okay, 32% Tim Patrick. Look, Jerry Judy's out on IR. I, I don't even know when he's coming back. KJ Hamler towards ACL. He's done for the year, even longer. Like he's, KJ Hamler's not coming back until like maybe late next year. Who's left? Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, no offense. Tim Patrick should be rostered. He should be 80% or more rostered. He's been so solid. He's given, look, he gets, he has four targets, four targets, five targets, but what does he do with them? Touchdown, touchdown, 98 yards. So you can do a lot worse at wide receiver. Um, another guy to keep your eye on. I only say this because I'm struggling a lot at tight end in a couple of leagues. Like it's just a dead wasteland. Guys like Jonu Smith or Cole Komet that I thought were going to be solid for me are killing me, losing me matchups. And I see a guy like Pat Fryermuth, who's like at least getting you something. Like give me seven points at my tight end spot or something. So keep an eye out for Pat Fryermuth of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He did have a touchdown this week. And like I said earlier, at Rashad Bateman. Um, and, but one of my favorite ones was Jacoby Myers. I was able to get him last night. Um, I didn't even have to put in a claim for him. I was able to get him last night. So those are some of my favorite wa waiver wire pickups this week. Justin, you got a couple for us? Uh, or one? My, yeah. My, I think I spoke about him last week and Hunter Renfro is my absolute favorite because yes. uh, we are, we go back to the idea of cars being good and the receivers over there are just like big time players. And he seems to be the only like, target heavy i guess you'd say and he's 20 percent rostered in yahoo that is insulting yeah it is and it's because he's not attractive like uh rugs or edwards can be because they get the big boy yards but uh renfro and ppr he's getting decent targets but i think he's consistent and that's what i like to see out of someone that i want to flex on bye weeks or if an injury happens i want that consistent to fill in so I like that. And then you made me think about tight ends because, you know, I'm in the same boat some some places. And I like Knox out of Buffalo. Oh, yeah. He had a decent game, yeah. Dawson Knox is quietly doing really well. And uh, you can't expect eight targets out of every tight end. So if I can get four or five, which is what he's getting, and a couple touchdowns, I love it. And also, Irv Smith was going to be great. Uh, we wanted him to be successful, but it just isn't happening. So we pivoted as the Vikings. Uh, how do you pronounce his name? Cronklin? Yeah, Cronklin. Tyler Cronklin. It, he's only 3% started, 9% owned last year. I mean, last week, breakout eight receptions or seven receptions on eight targets and a touchdown. If I can find the midway between eight points and 20 points out of that guy, that would be amazing. So uh, take some flyers. You have nothing to lose. The only thing you have to lose is continue to start people like Janu and get asked out every week. But, mm -hmm. you know, surprisingly, and I really don't understand, I don't even understand why I didn't pick him up, but Dalton Schultz, he also had a huge <laughs> game. 
he plays did. for Dallas, and it doesn't look like Jarwin is the guy really over there. It's more Schultz, so uh, I'm curious to follow him. One more week out of him, and I'm a believer, so let's keep an eye on that. Interesting. Um, all righty, so those are some of our favorite waiver wire pickups. Again, Tim Patrick and Hunter Renfro, it's so insulting how low their percentage is. I picked up Hunter Renfro. I'm in a 12-team dynasty league where, like, the – the pickings are slim because we start 10 players and I picked up Hunter Renfro like two weeks ago f- before he started playing very well. And I'm loving it. I like, he's, he's like my second best wide receiver. It's crazy. So, so I love it. Um, all right, let's get into our dark horses and fool's gold really quick. I'm just going to um, quickly blaze through the review of last week's cause we're, we're getting low on time here. So last week I chose Javante Williams. Uh, he had a decent game. So I would say maybe that's, a hit or you know maybe a push but he he had a pretty good game uh justin you chose teddy bridgewater didn't necessarily work out for you yeah they stopped they stopped the jets but he just didn't score in fantasy so i'll take the l on that one yeah we can't can't do much about it you know we're not gonna we're not gonna hit all these um all right let's get into our dark horses for this week for going into here and Look, I'm going to take a dart throw on a guy that I'm I'm being forced to start in a couple of leagues, and that is Terrace Marshall Jr. of the Carolina Panthers. They're playing Dallas this week, and I just think, look, I know Dallas's defense has been better this year. Um, I forget his first name, but Diggs, uh, he's cornerback. He's actually Stephon Diggs' younger brother on Dallas, has, has three interceptions in three games. But I think this game is going to be a shootout. And I think we've seen Robbie Anderson freaking disappear. He's like, I I want to drop him, but I'm scared to drop him because he can come back and, and ball out. But um, I just think that Terrace Marshall Jr. is kind of, as of right now, he's he's the number two guy there as far as pass catching goes. And CMC's out. So those targets, look, CMC's, you know, seven to eight targets a game are not going to Chuba Hubbard. They're going to go to maybe another pass catching running back they bring in. Some will go to Hubbard, but they're he, they're going to have he's Donald's going to have to pass more to the wide receivers. Maybe that does help Robbie Anderson. And look, I probably I mean that's tough. I don't know if you could start Robbie Anderson right now, but if you if you're desperate right now, you have a burden with injuries, you you're in a deep league or something like that, and you need a start. I, I wouldn't. You know, Terrace Marshall Jr. has been impressive. If you watch the games, he looks good. He's not putting up monster numbers yet, but I think he he can have a blow-up game any week, and I think this could be the week because either it's going to be a shootout back and forth or Dallas is going to be up on the Panthers because the Pan- uh, Dallas is so explosive offensively, and the Panthers, uh, they lost J.C. Horn, their, um, their rookie uh, cornerback who was playing well. So I think it could be a decent game for Terrace Marshall Jr. this week against Dallas. Um, all right, Justin, who do you got for us for your sleeper start slash dark horse for week four? I'm going to go Michael Pitton against Miami. And though I know he's been doing well, but I still think he's flying under the radar for a lot of people because week one really was a gross outing for them. And then the last two weeks, he's getting 10-plus targets, 12 and 12, and he's converting. So Miami's having some issues, not the best of teams. Uh, The Colts don't have many weapons, and Pittman's the only wide receiver I trust over there. I see that based off Yahoo statistics, only 37% start. I would feel much more confident than that. So he's my dark horse. 
yeah, no, that that's that's a good one. And I, you know, I love Pittman. So I, and look, he's getting the targets, even though like two weeks ago he had a monster game, but he still he got twelve targets again. So you got to feel good about that. You definitely do. Um, all right, let's move into our Foles gold, and we'll review last week's really quick. So I chose the Rams running back and running backs, and look, Daryl Henderson didn't play. Sony Michelle did. Sony Michelle had ten points. I don't know if you're necessarily happy with that. Uh, so I put it, I wrote it down as a push um, on our spreadsheet. So, so I think that's fair. Uh, you chose Devin Singletary last week, Justin, and bravo, you hit on that one. Zach Moss is looking like maybe the better option there. Yeah, I mean, uh, in your defense, I would give you a hit for that Sony Michelle. That was a bad yeah, game. disappointing. For, yeah, for twenty attempts, and they scored thirty-four points for him to come out with just ten and a, ten point nine. You hit it. You hit it. You're right. I'll give myself a hit. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, I'm telling you the trap of Buffalo's running backs is just seems to be a continual thing. Like, one does good, you hop on that train. One does good, you hop on the other guy's train. Like, I just knew it was going to be a miss for the guy this week. So, uh, yeah, it looks like Moss had a nice week. And then I'm sure we'll swip swap this week against Houston. So, I guess go Singletary, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess um, that's true because you you never know. Like, <laughs> like people are going to start Moss this week and be and fire him up, and it's going to be disappointing again. But we'll see. Who know, dude? Buffalo is. I mean, who knows? The NFL surprises me every week, but Buffalo could be in in for a slaughterhouse against the Houston they're, Texans. They're going to drop forty plus. Diggs is going to get his two touchdown game. It's just going to be an onslaught after halftime. Look, they're going to score 45 points, and the running backs aren't going to do anything. That's probably what's going to happen, which That's is gross. <laughs> Josh Allen's going to have two rushing touchdowns and take him away from these guys. Um, all right, let's get into our fool's gold for week four. And I'll go ahead and throw to you first, Justin. Who do you got? Fool's gold and perfect segue, actually. Yeah, it looks how look how that worked out. Uh I'm going the Texans backfield. I don't know who to say to pick. I'm just saying to avoid all of them. Uh, Philip Lindsay is probably the third string over there, not doing a lot. David Johnson, how can you trust him with shared work? Droppable. It's just insane. After week one, nothing. And then uh, who's the main dog over uh, there? Mark Ingram. Ingram, which yeah. is gross. I, <laughs> I, and I wanted to say earlier, Mac should go there, but I didn't even want to create that. No, and, don't put that out in the universe. Yeah. <laughs> I, and, and the reason I say that, not that any of them are doing good, but I feel like there are people out there that are like in deep leagues and they have mm-hmm. to decide, you know, who do I start? Do I start, uh, start a wide receiver? Start Johnson, none of them, none of them, none of them. I would start Michael Carter, start Sermon, start. It doesn't matter. I don't want to play that game with those guys. They're not trustable. Any of them can get that lucky touchdown and make the other two useless, and you don't want to be on that side of the coin. Yeah, I mean, I I think if we were doing season-long fool's gold, I think you could choose the Houston's backfield as a good candidate for that because who knows when you can ever trust these guys. Mark Ingram's getting – like he has like over 40 like carries this year so far. It's insane, but he's not doing anything with them. Yeah, not to mention they're playing the Bills, so you don't anticipate it to be a run-heavy game, anyways. So yeah, you don't, that doesn't help anything either. No, for sure. Uh, no, that's you? a good choice. You can't go wrong uh, betting against the Texans at all, unless unless it's Brandon Cooks. Don't bet against Brandon Cooks. I benched him the first two weeks. I hated it. Started in week three, loving it. Love so, him this week too. 
yeah, oh, he's a must start all year until he proves us wrong, I think. All right, so Justin, I'm sorry to rain on your parade a little bit because you did mention this man earlier, but uh, my fool's gold is Dalton Schultz of the Dallas Cowboys. And I, I have, look, that he's been okay. Week one was not bad. He had six catches, 45 yards. Um, week two didn't do much, but week three, he had seven catches, six receptions, 80 yards, and two touchdowns. Now, I was watching this game because I had very a lot of fantasy stuff riding on it, and it was making me so upset that these touchdowns were going to Dalton Schultz instead of CeeDee Lamb, but they did. And it's weird because the Cowboys were up, right? And but they still had to drive the ball, and they were scoring like almost every time they got the ball, they they were taking it down the field. And then it was almost like opposite garbage time, where a team's up, but they have to, they just have they have to play offense, right? So they were up a lot, and they kept scoring instead of like getting a field goal or a rushing touchdown. They were throwing to Dawson Schultz. So we all know touchdowns are fluky, so you can't necessarily rely on, rely on touchdowns. He still has an okay game. Six catches, 80 yards, like like we were talking about earlier. If you had that over a John U. Smith or a Cole Komet, you're happy with it. But my problem is how much him and uh, Blake Jarwin actually share the field. So they uh, they basically have been split like as far as uh, reps go, and I just don't like that. Look, one of, I think it's one of them can go off either week. It's kind of like you know Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. You don't really know. And I, I would rather pivot to a situation where I know there's one guy there instead of, look, any week it could be Dalton Schultz or Blake Jarwin. And look, high volume offense, high passing offense. Yes, you look at these stats lines and you're kind of impressed with them. But I just think temper your expectations. That is all I'm saying. Don't think that Dalton Schultz could do this every week for you. It's it's not necessarily going to happen. I don't think anybody in their right mind would ever do this, but I'm just using this as an example is like, what if somebody rosters CJ Hawkinson and Dalton Schultz and they look at just the performances from last week and they're like, I'm going to start Dalton Schultz. Don't do that. Just stick with the consistent guys. I agree with you, Justin. If this continues, if he has one more good week, he moves from a guy I would say is a fool's gold to like a guy. Okay. I wouldn't name him as a fool's gold looking solid, but I'm just saying temper our expectations on Dalton Schultz this week and going forward. Do you, I mean, maybe you disagree with that since you, you mentioned him earlier. No, no, I hear you. Uh, what I said earlier was more for the people that are stuck in tight end hell like I am, but it, it's yeah. something to keep an eye out because uh, the difference between winning your league and losing your league is playing the waiver wire. And when your only weak position is tight end, it makes you lose games but then if you can find one that's consistent, you turn into an elite team. So if Schultz carries this over, it's worth keeping an eye on because if you can solve that problem, that's amazing. So I still prioritize Conklin and Knox over Schultz, but I still am watching Schultz. Yeah, absolutely. That That's a good point. Uh, keep an eye on him, but I, I wouldn't necessarily like, um, grab him this week and start him unless you're in tight end hell, like Justin put it. I think we're all in tight end hell unless you have Waller, Kelsey, Hawkinson, or something like that. Um, all righty. Well, that's going to do it for this week of the First Round Fantasy Podcast. Uh, thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you, Renaissance Man, for your questions. And this should be the plan going forward. We're going to 
um, unless our schedules alter or change, we're going to keep doing uh, probably Wednesday mornings for the main podcast. We'll have some other content out as well. Uh, but keep your eye out. We're going to put out some clips of these uh, Fool's Gold and Dark Horses going forward. And we'll see you all next week. Thank you for joining me, Justin. Uh, don't forget to follow us on all social media platforms at First Round Fantasy. And go head over to T Public. We got our new logo and our new shirt up. I don't know if you knew this, Justin, but we actually got a new t-shirt design up on T Public. So you can find those links in the description. And uh, go ahead and get yourself some first round fantasy gear. We truly appreciate it. See you all next time.